0: I like a challenge Mm -hmm. and not having the answer doesn't scare me, it inspires me.
1: Take me back to the the moment when you first came up with the idea for Story.
0: I kind of thought to myself like, why can't retail be a media channel? Everyone was focused online and last I checked, we still live in the real world. And so I was like, now's the time for a Story.
1: Talk a little bit about how the Macy's partnership first came about and why you ultimately decided that was the right next step.
0: The idea that I was gonna be in a place where someone wasn't going to try and change me and say, hey, we value and appreciate that you're bringing in experience and expertise. We're gonna carve out this new area and come and build it.
1: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. This week on Inside Fashion, we talked to Rachel Schechtman, an old and dear friend of mine who recently sold her pioneering retail business to Macy's. A few years back, Rachel came up with the idea of launching Story, and the way she always pitched it to me was it was like a magazine and a retail store combined so that everything in the store would change every couple of months. Well, after several years of hard work and toiling, Rachel connected with the CEO of Macy's, Jeff Gannett, and they agreed to partner together. Rachel is now Brand Experience Officer at Macy's and recently took her Story concept, which existed as a single store on 10th Avenue in New York, and rolled it out to 36 Macy's stores all around the United States. So I sat down with Rachel in New York to learn a little bit about her journey and the acquisition by Macy's and all of the plans that she has to take this interesting retail concept and scale it up within you know a department store sector that's frankly struggling. So will she be able to take that sizzle from story and make it work at Macy's? You'll find out on this edition of the BOF podcast. Here's Rachel Schechtman inside fashion. Good morning, Rachel Schechtman. Thank you for inviting me to your new offices here. Thanks for coming. Chelsea. Chelsea. New York City. We're here. Um, You have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, but before we get into um, rolling out your incredible physical retail marketing experience thing to Macy's stores around the country, Let's talk a little bit about you and introduce you a bit to our community that don't, might not know you. How did you end up doing what you do in two minutes or less?
0: In two minutes or less? Yeah. So I think I came out of the womb a retail entrepreneur. I'm four generations of it. It's in my blood. Okay. I uh, went to the Javits Center, in fact, with my mom when I was 12 to buy my bat mitzvah favors wholesale. And I was like, you can shop for a living. You can like get paid to shop. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sign me up. That's what I want to do. And that's under two minutes.
1: (laughs) That is under two minutes. So fourth generation retailer, take me back to the the moment when you first came up with the idea for story. Like why, why did the world need that concept at that moment in time?
0: So I think there's a there's a two-part answer to it, because when I started coming up with the idea, you know, it didn't actually become story until like a month before we opened. And so um, really, A, it was kind of a culmination of me just, you know, loving business and strategy and thinking through different strategic marketing ideas. But on the flip side, like, I'm a merchant and like, I love, you know, creating stories and putting unexpected product together. And so I think when I got out of college I worked on a startup I never started and
1: mm-hmm. it was almost
0: the like 1.0 version of story but when you fast forward to 2011 when I launched story right that was before you had direct to consumer brands that had retail stores right mm-hmm. it was even before the headlines of you know retail armageddon and all that stuff right I don't even know if experiential retail was was a term then but but the why story and why then was based on two observations the first is if you look at all of the new businesses and brands that have been launched online over the past 20 years right you have birchbox who created subscription retailing as a new model right you have etsy as a marketplace you have kickstarter as crowdfunding so if there are these online retail models that have you know new revenue streams or models. Why is no one reimagining the business and the revenue streams offline? And then the other observation was on kind of the the brand marketing side of things. Right. I don't know the number, but let's say Starbucks gets you know 100 million people in their stores every week. Even if it was half of that, um, now add that up to a month. So if you went to some of the big publishing houses and added up their circulation and their you know impressions. Like, so I kind of thought to myself, like, why can't retail be a media channel? Mm -hmm. And everyone was focused online. And last I checked, we still live in the real world. Right. And so I was like, now's the time for a store.
1: So the concept, when you started to explain it to people back then, must have been fairly novel and unusual. Like, how did you pitch Story back in 2011?
0: Well, the good news is, I had a couple friends who believed in me and, mm-hmm. and uh, gave me a small amount of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had been consulting for 10 years, so I kept a couple of those gigs going. I mean, when I was introduced and I spoke to people in the industry, you know, I think back then, you know, a lot of times, especially with things that are new or different or hadn't, haven't been done before, you need to see it to understand it, right? So I can appreciate that someone's sitting there, you know, grilling me on gross margin, right? But I'm not building a model, you know, that's just based on that, right? There's, there's other like levers to pull. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, it wasn't uncommon that people might have like patted me on the shoulder and said, yeah, good luck. Um, but I think like, there were like a couple different tipping points. Um, but one was a year later, NRF, when I announced we were profitable in our first year, then those people who may not have understood it, had at least an interest to sit down and learn about it.
1: Right. But still the concept, I remember when you first told me about it, it was, you know, the store reimagined as a magazine yeah. that would change maybe not monthly, but quite regularly. Months, yeah. and, and it would look completely different. Mm-hmm. And so the way you would, you know, and the, those many times that I'd be in the city and we, you know, you'd say, oh, you have to come see our latest right. story. And every time I'd walk in... And the only thing that was consistent was some of the people on the shop floor and the story brand reimagined with some new fangled theme that you cooked up, you know, some at some point. Um, That idea was like, you know, really new because, um, you know, people have always thought about retail as this kind of you have to think about like a concept that endures that lasts over time. So what do you think resonated about that you know looking back now i always you know funny funny when people ask me i'm like how did you know bof would grow and i i didn't know but looking back now i can always like kind of connect the dots a bit what what do you think made story grow and resonate with people both customers and and partners
0: so i think a couple things someone once said i'm probably going to get this wrong because i always misquote things that you know when you look at why certain businesses maybe resonate or experience some success. It's a combination of luck, timing, and and the quality of the idea. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I got those three right. I think, you know, had I even opened a year earlier, it may have been too early. Um, but in terms of the but why, I actually have like a five-year-old trapped inside my brain who's always like, but why, but why?
1: Like your and, friend Simon Sinek.
0: Exactly, but why? Um, And so think about how much our lives in the real world have changed because of the introduction of these things that exist in our pockets and handbags, you know, i.e. phones, i.e. phones. Um, And so, you know, A, we're, we're consuming far more content than we ever, ever have. B, we're going a zillion places for that content we have more choice than ever. And therefore, like, we're like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, What's new? So I think, to that point, I think, the idea of changing something, and you could go in two months later to the same space, and it would be different. You would go to a website, and the homepage would change. Now, we weren't doing it daily. But for that format, that was enough to satiate that. And then I think the second part of it, right, that was the retail experience. And the narrative-driven merchandise component of what we do, and then the the second main part of what we do is the community-based programming. And again, I think, you know, if you think about, you know, how many people listening to this go a week without either checking Facebook or LinkedIn, um, I would assume it would be a minority. And those are pretty big online communities. So again, if we have an interest in having community in our lives, and it exists in a digital world. Um, one would argue there's an opportunity and frankly a need to satiate that in the physical world. And when I tell you, I mean, we did over 400 events. I, I wish I could tell you like, oh, I knew that this would work. I had no idea. I just threw a couple events. We had people meet who started dating at events. We had people come and listen to Seth Godin and Simon Sinek and be exposed to information without having to get a plane ticket to go to TED. They just came to a complimentary event. And they would sit there and one woman came in and she quit her job after because she was inspired to start her own business. And so anyways, th- those are, I think, are the two things.
1: There's a third thing that's critical to your model though, which, I, which helped make it profitable, which right. is the sponsorship, sponsorship. element. Yep. Was that always part of the model from mm-hmm. the beginning? How, yeah. how, did, how did you kind of envision that part? Because it's very unusual for a retail experience to get money from a brand
0: yeah wait till and it's every... meaningful
1: money it's not small yeah, small it's cash. Not small money yeah
0: wait till people see what's launching in july at macy's in a million and one years it's it's unexpected but but that's the thing right like think about it someone who has a birkin bag right doesn't have hermes toilet paper so like are like my point being is we're integrated in our behavior, right? We we shop and we experience different brands and different things at different parts of our day. Um, so, for example, if we're if we're telling a, a story on health and wellness, right? Um, having Cigna as a partner makes all the sense in the world.
1: And for people who don't know, Cigna is a
0: health insurance company, right? Or, for example, Cody sponsored our beauty story. Um, And so the way I explain what we do, to your point of a living magazine, uh, is if a magazine tells stories by writing articles and taking pictures, we tell stories through merchandising an event around a narrative, event programming. Um, Magazines have advertisers and we have sponsors. So it's two revenue streams. And a sponsor criteria is they have to bring authority and authenticity to a subject matter. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to be willing to build a narrative around the story that we would create with them. That would be relevant to men, women, and kids between five and ninety-five. Although I think I have to change that to ninety-eight because Iris Appel is a good buddy of ours, so maybe we'll we'll say five to ninety-eight. And uh, you know, we have to be you know excited and about doing things differently. You know, a lot of the people we partnered or no one would ever say I wasn't you know staying up till two in the morning being like, how can I partner with a health insurance company? But when the opportunity came in, I like a challenge Mm -hmm. and not having the answer doesn't scare me. It inspires me.
1: Right. There were some tough moments in building this company. And, you know, you and I have known each other long Long enough now that, um, you know, we exchanged our own stories over the years about what it takes to build a company. And there, you know, you, you know, at some point there were probably, you know, people asking you, well, why don't you do a story on your own? And you know, LA, or like, how can we kind of take that story concept and scale it? So once you had the kind of model working, the challenge was always like, well, how are you going to grow it, right? Because it was like this single place in New York City, and anyone who'd been there would walk in and understand that this was like a very unique retail brand experience, Mm -hmm. but very few people could experience it. So along comes this opportunity. To partner with macy's which i think when you first told me i mean i was really surprised by the kind of partnership but talk a little bit about how the macy's partnership first came about and why you ultimately decided that was the right next step
0: yeah well can i quickly respond to the first point because i think sure, it's, of course it, it's um you know when you think about why not more stores because at first i mean you can find early interviews where i'm like we'll have five stores in three years I and know, be selling yeah. online None of which happened, but that was also by choice because we think about, especially in retail, of growth, especially on a balance sheet with what you can see with your own two eyes, right? But, you know, our sponsorship fee started out at $15,000. You know, our, our, our last sponsorship at Chelsea, because that's the only one I can compare, um, was $600,000, right? That's growth. Um, and the capabilities we provided. And so back to what I was saying about maybe not having the answers, when we teamed up um, with USA Network to do something around disruption with Mr. Robot, I never imagined the store could be a studio, yet we made a live, you know, made it a living studio with Christian Slater and Carly Chaikin. And and I'm like, oh, okay. So we optimized and we explored and we learned and, and grew every year from it. And I think, you know, over the years, I've been fortunate and like, I'm obsessed with retail and... A lifelong student of it, and so meeting all these different, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs and business leaders and buyers and everything. Um, I always, you know, say yes. And, um, so the the story with Jeff Gannett goes like this I shook his hand once. Say who Jeff Gannett Sorry. is, Jeff yeah. Gannett is the CEO and chairman of Macy's Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's often
1: described in the press as a struggling retailer, right? So let's be, let's be honest with so, people, right? So
0: so Macy's Inc. is also Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury. So right. it's, it's those three brands. And so in terms of, um, you know, I had been exploring different opportunities. I had been speaking to different brands and potential partners and, you know, got far down the road with lots of different folks. And what happened with Jeff was this in 2016, um, when he was, I think it was two seven, t- 2016, when he was named the new CEO of Macy's taking over for Terry Lundgren, who was the former CEO of Macy's. Um, I've never done this before, but, and I, keep in mind, I shook the guy's hand once. Like I didn't know him. I just guessed his, I was at Can Lions, I, which is a, an advertising mm-hmm. conference in France. I, I guessed his email based on, you know, other Macy's emails. And I said, Hey, I just read the news. Don't know if you remember meeting me. Just want to say, congratulations. He wrote me back in seven minutes. So on the day he was named CEO and chairman of Macy's, he wrote me back in seven minutes, and he took me complimenting him into you know sharing with me you know his uh, it, you know how he enjoyed story, and I was like, I just was like, who is this guy that he responds so quickly and and he's and he, the words he used were very deliberate. He said something like, "Thank you for bringing experience, education." And entertainment together to retail as an industry. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so I got excited. Long story short, um, we started having lunch together and getting to know each other. And, um, you know, it's kind of like sometimes the thing that's most easy to see that's right in front of you, you don't see, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, you know, he called me into his office and I met with him and Hal Lawton, who's our president. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is history.
1: So what was their rationale? Like, you know, when you, I could understand from your perspective, it's a tough haul as an entrepreneur. It was a concept that was hard to scale, you know, partnering with a company with lots of locations uh, and a great, you know, historical retail brand that's known all across the country. I understand from your perspective, what was, what was the kind of their angle on it?
0: Well, that wasn't my perspective. I didn't do it I did it because of the opportunity to learn and grow and try new things, whether it was in one store or 500 stores, whether it was digital or physical, the idea that I was going to be in a place where someone wasn't going to try and change me Mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, we value and appreciate that you're bringing an experience and expertise that's something we would benefit from. So we're going to carve out this new area and come and build it. And so when Jeff, you know, he often uses the word with different people, with different expertise, you know, co-architect, you know, and so, you know, when you really get to know someone, um, listen, we all know the odds against, you know, you have entrepreneurs that go to big companies. They don't last very long, you know, they're out in under a year, um, or, uh, how long has it been for you now? It's almost a year. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. Um, but, uh you know, let alone an entrepreneur with my personality, who's a bit non-traditional in in my approach in many things. But I cannot tell you, like, here's the surprising thing, the surprising thing, and anyone who knows me knows I have no filter. So so this is all my opinion. But the biggest surprise starting there was, you know, this is an organization that focuses so much on developing talent and, and growing talent. And so there's people who've been there 15, 20, 30 years, right? And It was yes and, not yes, but. So whatever Jeff and Hal put in everyone's water and briefed people, and I think it also speaks a lot to their new leadership, there's such an interest and openness in trying new things. So I would say, you know, eight out of 10 people were like, yes, and. And we went in saying, we don't know how to do this. This has never been done before at scale. So in the same way Jeff said to me, hey, let's, you know, you co-architect this for us. I then went to Macy's colleagues and say, hey, I need you guys to co-architect it because I'm moving into your home, so we need to create this together.
1: Mm -hmm. So they also gave you this really interesting title, Brand Experience Officer, because your role at Macy's wasn't just about taking story and kind of scaling it across multiple locations. It was also a broader remit around the experience in Macy's stores. Can you talk now, you know, so it's one year in, so like in theory, you were supposed to do a bunch of things probably, but sometimes as you, you kind of get into the role, like you figure things out as you, mm-hmm. like, what are you spending your time on now?
0: Yeah, so my focus in the way it is, 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 is touching, you know, I think when you look at successful case studies, and I also think, you know, it depends on you know, what you want to learn and take away from things and what you want, you know, what you want to experiment with. And I think us um, exper- experimenting outside of the ecosystem, um, learning things that then can affect Macy's at scale is a far more um, successful formula than parachuting into existing processes because it's like, you know, someone who doesn't speak Japanese and Spanish, trying to understand each other, let's learn something and then bring it back in. Um, so with brand experience, my first task was launching Story at Macy's and that was it. Um, I am very proud though of the fact that uh, I got a balloon in the Macy's Day Parade this year mm-hmm. from uh, from the Friends With You uh, Artist Collective and the, the partnership team uh, at Macy's, who works on the parade, did it in under four months, which was insane. Um, But Story was my first deliverable. Um, I had the opportunity to determine how many doors, when we launched, how we did it. Um, Recently, the market at Macy's has kind of come into my world, which is a retail as a service model um, where people can have space in Macy's for a month in a handful of different stores and benefit from our marketing and our traffic and our brand. Um, They keep all the money and it's like they're paying us rent. And then there might be a black ops secret project or two that I'm cooking up. Mm -hmm. So when you see, you know, the new office space that we're taking over next door and the team's growing, it's kind of like, I think of Brand Experience as a holding company and we launch new businesses.
1: Okay. So let's talk about this, the kind of 36X, you know, story, like the whole experience of taking a concept that only existed is on 10th Avenue Mm -hmm. here in New York uh and making it happen in 36 places all around the country yeah. just like walk us through the exercise of doing that
0: so i went in and met with our our chief operating officer and our chief stores officer uh very early on um you know also knowing that i don't know scale in logistics finance operations none of which is my expertise and that's putting it politely Um, I spent my entire first six months only learning about that stuff at Macy's. So I just sat down and said, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, leveraged where my experience would help the process and then have the experience of John Harper say, hey, these are the doors that I think would make most sense for you to go into. Why 36? Um, 36, because I wanted to A, create processes in a model that can scale so whatever processes that we have for 36 stores can scale to 100 stores Mm -hmm. right um but number two i'm a big believer in like actions speak louder than words right and so like i didn't want to stand up and say hey this is our new innovative agile model i wanted to just show it right like I want you, the journalist, to say, oh, my God, look at what they pulled off. And, and so even how we launched it was something new. So nobody, we dr- on the day we opened 36 stores at the same time, on the same day, no media, no, no one knew until that day. And what was also interesting, I went to all 36 stores in the country before we launched and shared the strategy with them and it never got out. Um, and, and just the collaboration of everyone was Mm. really awesome. So as
1: you traveled to all of these stores around the country, and I know you're a retail hound, you love (laughs) retail, but you know, the picture that's painted of department stores in the, in the U S is a fairly bleak one. And, you know, I don't spend as much time, um, going into department stores here as, as you do, but like when I have gone on occasion, I walk in and it feels a bit depressing. You know, like, what's the mood like when you're going around to all these stores all around the country? You know, you have this, like, as you, you know, alluded to earlier, this, like, retail Armageddon kind of thing in the backdrop. And, you know, you know, the performance of a lot of department stores hasn't been great. Like, what did you observe on that tour around the country?
0: So I think for for me it was a little different because so much of this experience and it's kind of ironic because story is such a narrative driven you know visual um you know brand but like i got really passionate and invested in what's under the hood of the car and so what i mean by that is you know forget all the processes that we created that didn't exist right like how do you onboard non-EDI compliant vendors at scale. I
1: don't even and, know what that means. Right.
0: So that's basically how do you work with a small business at scale and actually make it you know, work well. So in the average story space, there's 70 small businesses. You could have 70 small businesses represented in a 1,000 square feet. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, so you're basically saying like you would have these like basically personal relationships with all these small businesses that you discovered and like you would just bring them on as vendors. But when you do work with a big department store, there's all of this like compliance stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not just compliance, like whether it's Walmart, Target, any store there's, you know, to operate, you know, uh, any type of big retailer with hundreds or thousands of locations. And that has billions of dollars of, you know, there's a lot of systems and processes when you're a small business. A, you don't typically have those, the, 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 people to support those system and processes. And B, sometimes you can't even make the inventory. And so it wasn't just us bringing the relationships. We had to reimagine these new processes in partnership with colleagues at Macy's. So the way this all kind of rolls up to my tour of the store is I thought, let's pretend the store like never opened, right? So let's pretend we didn't need $1 of sales. But I wanted this to be profitable and successful and impactful. What would I do? And so our entire approach, it's both how I'm building the brand experience team as well as story, is that any any part of the business we touch is test and learn. So going to all 36 stores and sharing a pretty broad amount of information to a broad audience um, that was integrated. So when I'd go to stores, I'd sit in a room with... Um, visual merchandising and personal shoppers and managers and all different people and have like deep dive conversations. Like, so not only, it was far more fulfilling than I ever imagined. I was like, oh, I'm going to go tell my story. But again, I think it was no different than, than the experience I had when I joined. And I, you know, I'm sitting here because I'm thinking of someone sitting there rolling their eyes being like, oh, she's saying it because she's at Macy's. But anyone who knows me knows that that, that's not true at all. But it's also what I knew because I trusted Jeff and Hal and the team. But like, there's a readiness and an openness. There's just a reality to speed at scale, right? So I'm doing what I can and also taking those insights to affect the, the larger organization. But one example of like what happened is so our launch story was color story, right? Yeah. So we have... 275 dedicated storytellers, which is what we call our, our store colleagues, um, that are in our spaces across the country, right? Um, and so for our opening day, they worked in partnership with the broader stores, right? People, I mean, part, broader parts of the store. So people who are working in Tommy Hilfiger or the cosmetics. So what started happening is all these stores started coming up with like color challenges with how they dress for opening day. So some stores organized by department, they had to dress a certain color. Another store organized to make a box of per- crayons and a picture. So this wasn't like, oh, there's this new little thing happening over there on this pod. It was everyone in that entire location participating. And so like, that's the stuff that's under the hood of the car that I'm both proud of. And that's like, the, the what energizes me. And I me. can
1: imagine with a, a, a company like Macy's, which has literally thousands of locations, they probably haven't had that much attention from like headquarters where someone comes in and sits down with them and kind of tells a really inspiring story about what retail can be in this depressed environment where people are kind of really down yeah. on it. That must have been really motivating for them.
0: I think it was motivating, but we actually, the what, what made me decide to do it was actually going on store visits with Jeff and Hal. Mm-hmm. So I would have never even thought to do it. So I followed their format. So... It's something that they do a lot of. And after I did a couple store visits with them, once we figured out what we're doing with Story, I was like, oh, if they do it focusing on the business, why don't I do this focusing on the launch? Um, so it was fun.
1: So when, when you kind of sitting down with Jeff and Hal and talking about this first rollout, what were the metrics for success that you know you agreed with them about how you guys would decide whether this was, you know, successful or not.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I smile when I say this because I I do feel really lucky. And at the end of the day, right, we spend more time with the people we work than anything else. And that, that, um, you know, the fact that uh, we weren't going into it with, you know, here's your exact target and this is the exact KPIs. We're doing something that is so unique, right? Like sponsors writing a check as so if it's a So the sponsorship
1: model continues. 100%. We had three sponsors. sponsors yeah. We had three.
0: We had Crayola. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Mac. And we had Levi's Kids. And so the, the framework there is um, it's an opportunity to engage new partners like Crayola who haven't worked with Macy's. And it's an opportunity to both differentiate, test and learn, and market in new ways with our existing partners like Mac and Levi's. Wow, okay. Wait to see who the next sponsor is. And no, I'm not telling you. now. And for those
1: of you who don't know Rachel, she'll always like drop in some little thing to like make you wonder about what's happening next. And she just did it right now. Um, So obviously the sponsorship fee is a a key part of what makes it work. And I'm like, if if the last one at Story on 10th Avenue was $600,000, are we talking like major sponsorship value here?
0: So the approach with sponsorship is similar to what the KPIs are, right? Because we're so used to in retail thinking sales per square foot, right? But you know, if 80% of the transactions, I'm making up this number, illustrative purposes only, mm-hmm. if 80% of our transactions are new customers, right? Well, marketing departments have customer acquisition costs. So how do we look at economics and value? So I'm not just talking about the stuff that's Yes, is there value to the 460 million, you know, media impressions when we launched? Definitely, but you need other KPIs. So I think, you know, is it giving our existing customers a reason to come back more frequently? Um, So the cool thing is, is I wasn't, we weren't as a team forced into a box saying, because I didn't have the answer. So I wasn't going to give an answer I didn't have. Um, so we're, we're figuring it out. But back to the sponsorship. Oh, right. You were asked that. I lost my train of thought. No,
1: that's fine. Because I think that what you said is really interesting, because if you think about goals in terms of like engagement of existing customers, um, acquisition of new customers, um, media impressions, all things that, you know, you're thinking about uh if you go back to the original story model as a magazine or living a store that lives and changes like a magazine and each time you're bringing a brand that's looking to engage with a new audience how did that fit in
0: so i think i never in the past took dollars to take dollars and i never would in the future it goes back to kind of that earlier criteria about bringing authority and authenticity to a subject matter um and on the flip side there's a lot of value i mean 10th Avenue and 19th Street, you know, I mentioned our regular sponsorship was $600,000 and our holiday sponsorship was a million dollars. So in the same way, we're working to define what the specific KPIs are on the the retail performance side, on the media side, you know, I spoke to Jeff and Hal and said, hey, we got to build some case studies to really understand it because it hasn't really been done at scale. And here's the sexy part. Forget like, me taking the things that I know have worked in the past around doing sponsored event programming and in-store signage and merchandise collaborations and content creation, right? That's all stuff we've done. But like Macy's has, I should know this off the top of my head, 14 or 16 million Facebook fans. They have over a million Instagram fans. How many people walk by our Herald Square windows on 34th Street? So now I like have legit media assets, right? I have 17 windows across the country, exposure in Union Square in San Francisco. So when you look at the brand partners, we can attract and and how those different avenues and platforms expand the opportunity to partner and collaborate new ways. um, I'm kind of psyched about that.
1: So what's next? How
0: do you take
1: this vision and spread it in the stores because you know, some of the, the media coverage I've read has said, you know, story stands out broadly in, in the in the environment. It's like this like super innovative thing, but it's an environment that's feels, you know, doesn't like doesn't match up yeah. to the rest of the experience. Like how do you take this kind of vision that you have and spread it throughout the store that feels the same as it did five or 10 years ago to the average observer? Yeah.
0: So I think a couple of things. So I think, you know, when you look at the Macy's executive team over the past couple of years, it's an entire, you know, Hal came in as president two years ago. Um, Patty Ogman was named chief merchandising officer six weeks ago. Naveen, our new chief technology officer, was 11 months ago. So we have all these new new, you know, colleagues who are bringing their expertise in, and have their own visions in the same way I'm doing what I am with story and so like I'm about to give I love giving analogies this is a super cheesy one but I can't think of another one that illustrates the point but it's like you know you plant a lot of seeds right and there are certain you know types of vegetables or flowers that grow faster um, because that's you know how that you know when you're 36 stores and not 600 yeah, of course, you can probably hack together processes to do that, right? Um, It doesn't mean there, you know, there wouldn't be innovation and evolution elsewhere. And I think, you know, when you just think of something, and then, you know, others start growing and sprouting and and populate, I think, as we have Patty at the helm and Rich Lennox and marketing, some of the things that that those different groups in the company, I think, will come to life.
1: Well, thank you for Chatting today, Rachel. Rachel and I get to chat all the time. We've never done a podcast together before, so
0: a first. A
1: first, but hopefully not the last. And we'll, of course, be watching the evolution of story as it. You want to go there before you leave. I will, and I'm sure as you take the concept and spread it out throughout the many, many hundreds of stores around the country, it'll stand out as a beacon of the future of retail. Um, But that's all the time we have for this week. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, saying farewell from a little office in Chelsea on the New York's west side. And this is Inside Fashion for this week. We'll hope you tune in next week for our next episode. Bye. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from The Business of Fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package and enter the special invitation code podcast 2019 at the checkout we hope you enjoy it and don't forget to tell your friends